Welcome to Holiday System Mastery, the festive podcast where we discuss Christmas or holiday-themed RPGs in a charming atmosphere of homey joy, giving spirit, and the bonhomie that only Uncle Doug's famous spiked eggnog can provide. Today's present, unwrapped just for you, is Mork Borg, which I assume, as I record these intros long before I read the books, is Swedish for Santa Claus! Oh, the joy! Mork Borg is coming to town! Mork Borg, everybody! On System Mastery! everybody it's system mastery it's not a christmas episode i i'm i i'm wrong oh it it definitely is yeah we're here on the winter solstice the darkest night of the year yeah. we're here to give you the blackest darkest living death that you could possibly imagine the the uh, urge to actually write that intro in full bleak punk mode because that's pretty much what this book is was pretty intense and i did everything i could to veer myself away from doing that and just being like Welcome to System Mastery. We're on a roll of one through five. You die. And on a six, you die, but there's poop in your eyes. Because that's, that's you know, I, I, I don't really want to, I don't need to get into it yet. We are reviewing Mork Borg. So if you've read it before, you already know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but, Industry darling, Mork Borg. Yeah. Launcher but, of a thousand ships of making fun of that name. Pretty much, yeah. But before we get into that, I do want to check in with my with my good buddy John. No, don't do that. Get this, he's here in the studio oh, today. That, that guy sucks. Don't let's check go, in with let's him. Let's go bring him in. Bring in John. Ugh. All right. And uh, yeah, get, get, get his him out music. of here. It's, it's some heavy guitar riffs. Yeah, there he is. He's flipping off the crowd. Oh, oh, it turns out he doesn't think he's the baby daddy. <laughs> well, I thought we were doing like a... Like a WWE heel thing, not not a Maury Povich thing. Would you prefer to do that to the Jerry Springer thing I was setting up? Well, I mean, with guitar licks and people booing, I was like, oh, clearly it's his entrance music, and oh, they, then they have he's bad, a heel. A Jerry Springer, when they bring in the bad dad or whatever, they do have a, a generic kind of heavy, <laughs> guitar riff they play when he comes in so that he can flip people off in the crowd and throw a chair at a security guard. That's normal. That's, that's, that's Springer. That's normal. That's, that's classic. But you know what? The two are more similar than you'd probably think. <laughs> So if you would prefer to be John, the the heel wrestler who's being introduced. Oh, no, off. I'm going to wrestle so many heels. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least Achilles is going to go down. <laughs> Me and the foot fetishist in a tag team. <laughs> Shit, do I have to be the foot fetishist? <laughs> you are. Oh, man. <laughs> That's right, people. I'm here to look at them pretty little piggies and also win at SummerSlam. <laughs> I want you to summer slam those hot, stinky feet in my face. <laughs> I just got here off a plane where I was licking and suckling at Garfield's big and stinky feet. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> I feed on your booze and also the feet of Garfield's hot girlfriend, Arlene, with the weird long neck, but the adorable cat feet. It's a Gar Garfield's part of this. <laughs> it's a whole Garfield-centric arc I'm on right I'm, now. I'm setting up for my second character after this one immediately proves unpopular. <laughs> the Garfer. <laughs> I'm the Garfer. That's right. Oh, the goofy Garfer, they call me. Yeah, I was supposed to be at Garfield, but then they made it Garfield without Garfer, and everyone said it was improved in that fashion. <laughs> oh, I'm doing fine, by the way. Oh, good. That's that's what I wanted to know. Yeah. Th thank you. Things are going good. Yeah? <laughs> Up until, like, five minutes ago when I started yeah. talking about Garfield feet? Just about... <laughs> You know, however long it's been since you hit record, I was fine up until then. <laughs> well, you know, we can go back to those halcyon days. <laughs> we can never go back. In, in about an hour, it can be yours again. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we have to do the bonus content. Oh. And I'm just going to start doing this. <laughs> <laughs> My character is obviously the Garfer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that's up to you. <laughs> It's true. So Nothing's we, up to me. So we are deciding. I don't know what we're, which way we're going to come down on this yet, but we will let you know in all of our various social media feeds. Christmas is going to be one of our normal recording days this year. Oh, yeah. Normally, the I mean, the next episode will 
be out like the day after Christmas. So. Or, or it won't. I don't know. We might. We're, no, we're I mean, that's when it reason. would come Yeah, out. I was, was going to say, we're monthly for a reason, which is that maybe sometimes we we could take break. Maybe sometime break. Not not read book two week. Nope. <laughs> read book. Still have to read a book. Just not to do an episode about it. Yeah. The people have to know. <laughs> yeah, if you're on the Discord, you'll hear all about it, but that's the only way. I'm, I'm honestly, because largely because we were just given a ridiculous deadline on yet another book yeah. that we're writing. Uh, so, God, do you, we have, I think, three books right now that we have finished writing that haven't released yet. Yeah. And we're starting a fourth, and it's due before any of the ones we've written have released, which means we'll have four books floating in the ether. Oh, yeah. We're just fully up in the air doing nothing, just like, huh. Wonder, wonder if I'll ever make a dollar out of these. I mean, I hope that, you know, the nice thing about doing this is we're getting advances in all of them. So even if they all absolutely suck, at least we already made the money. Like, if, Oh, and if, I know if, they yeah. all absolutely suck. I wrote them. <laughs> Please, you wrote wonderfully. I wrote <laughs> half of them. That's why they suck. Uh, so Mork Bork. Borg. Yeah. Bork Morg. Yeah, Morky Mork and the Funky Borg. <laughs> so um, I've, I've been curious about this for a while. This is my first time actually flipping through it. Uh, I know, I know it's one of the games that, and again, we'll start this one. This is an OSR kind of thing. So let's preface it with a quick discussion about what that is and what our, what our thoughts on it are and all that. Just, we can get it out of the way. Cause I don't want to be mean. I don't want to, uh, but I will, our, I will our, be mean. Our OSR listeners. OSR stands for a variety of things, depending on who you ask. One simple rule. Old school Renaissance, old school rules, <laughs> uh, just all kinds of things that it could stand for. But largely and originally the concept behind it was, what if we went back to like 1980 or 1974? Pick your pick your perfect moment in shining D and D history of choice, and rejected the modernity that came after that, and then started building from there again, like an alternate history thing. Yeah, uh, the idea being that it was already perfectly fine at that point, and you could make small modifications to that and create a full field of games that, even if they're slightly different, you could still play the adventures from them with the rule set from another one. You could use Mork Borg to run a DCC adventure or whatever. Like, originally, that was the idea. And that lasted, oh, I don't know, two, three hours? Yeah, I mean, the the general concept ended up being some people were like, I'm going to make, you know, old D&D, like, Beck Me clones. Yeah. And then other people who were just like, I want the feel of old D&D, and by that I mean the memories I have of old D&D, but in a more streamlined game. Yeah. And then other people just decided, fuck it, I'm going to do whatever, make a modern game, but say it's OSR because I'll be able to sell it to more people. For a brief period there, it was selling fairly well. So yeah, there were a lot of games that were like, you know, we the first one we ever reviewed, remember Weg or whatever it was called, Weg's World? Oh, Weg's World. Weg's World was our first thing that, that said it was OSR on the package, and we reviewed it, and it was very clearly not. Yeah. And even if you asked other OSR, like, luminaries and aficionados they'd all be like yeah that's not that's not actually osr and in fact what is and isn't is a mesmerizing development <clears throat> but i'm i'm fairly comfortable in saying that this is this feels like they were trying to capture a very specific vibe of old old school dungeons and dragons see i would disagree i don't feel this feels osr at all interesting this feels very stripped down modern sensibilities with a Black death metal veneer. Yeah, well, the black which death absolutely is nothing D and D did. I know, I, but I feel like a lot of people think it did. <laughs> is the thing? I think a lot of people are like, yeah, that's exactly what old D and D was. You'd roll a D six, and then a goblin would eat your nuts, and it, it didn't matter what the D six roll was. It was bad. Yeah, there. I mean, there are definitely people that would look at a game like this and go, the brutalism of it is the only thing I will look at and go, ah, oh, yes, this is along my sensibilities. Because there are a group of people that are like, oh, the whole, like, you know, abattoir level of gaming for, you know, running a dungeon where you're like, I've got seven characters, I assume five of them will die. Yeah, and you know, and stuff. That whole idea of everything sucks and it's brutal and you're a level one shit farmer and you're going to get crunched up by a kobold. Like, that idea can be sort of found in Morkborg as far as, like, yeah, it's a shitty place where you're probably going to die. Yeah. But the actual, like, veneer on it, the theming behind it, and the artistry in there is so removed from everything I normally associate OSR with. And again, the rules are extraordinarily stripped down. Yeah. And 
you know, if the if the people who made it were like, yes, this is OSR, I'd go, sure, that means nothing. Fine. Yeah, well, I don't think it means anything to say anything's OSR anymore. Like no. even <clears throat> even the folks I hang out with and talk with in, in various discords who talk about OSR, like, yeah, it's become so diffuse that it's not really all that useful as a categorization anymore. No. And I, I, I get that. And I understand it needed to be. The problem was that each step of the way along the OSR guidelines, they'd be like, oh, it's going to be, this is what it's supposed to look like. Okay, now it's that's infested with racists and assholes and white supremacists. Okay, well, never mind. It's actually called Sword Dream, and it looks like this. Okay, well, that's great, but uh, no one's going to play that because everyone wants to hang out with those white supremacists and assholes because they have a some sort of legitimate claim to the mantle of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, oh okay, well, then it looks like this, and by the time you keep follow, doing that kind of uh, spreading out and escaping the assholes and rebuilding the game again, it becomes too diffuse to really be useful anymore. Yeah, the, I mean, the main thing I usually see with OSR stuff is it's the second anyone tries to pin down what that actually is, fucking Diogenes runs in from off screen and says, behold an OSR. With a fucking chair. Yeah, it just shows like, ah, here, here's a game that follows all of the rules you have, and yet it is narrativist? Ha ha! It's just... <laughs> Full horse shit, no one cares. That's Diogenes' music. <laughs> oh, he's, wow, the- wow, wow. Oh, he's coming in and he's hit the garfer with a steel chair. <laughs> he's using his bow signature move, the classic ship of Theseus. <laughs> uh. So, <laughs> so um, uh, anyway, w- I'm just going to move on past that. It's a very stripped down game and, and we're having a long discussion about it because discussing the rules is going to take just a couple of minutes. Yeah, the... I mean, the thing with Morkborg is, uh, I would especially say, if you wanted to, you know, check it out, it is very interesting, at least. And one of the ones where I'm like, oh, I would suggest getting a physical copy. It is a very neat, like, long-form zine, essentially. It's got awesome art and aesthetics, and, like, it uses the uh like materials and functionality of like the paper having different ways that it like shines or textures it's a very good physical thing to own yeah yeah as a jewel-like object of wonder it's phenomenal and it's it feels less old school than it does like old school punk like it's using the trappings of really old D&D sessions that never actually happened but but old crusty dms swear played exactly like that to tell an interesting new story yeah um that said, I mean, it is very much an aesthetic. I, I'm What I was curious about was, because I know that there's all these, this is a game that, as John mentioned earlier, has spawned a ton of, of uh, retro clones that follow in its, its rule set, which I'm not exactly sure what its OGL model is or what you have to do to make a game that's based off of it. I didn't do that research, I apologize. But all those, you know, duck borgs and pirate borgs and cyborgs that, that have come out and, and exist. And I was wondering why, like what it was about this game that made people do that and you know, the cynical part of me was it's the name. It, it's because it's called Morkborg. It's got there, there's very few languages that sound as silly to the human ear or American ear, rather, not the yeah. human ear as, as Swedish. It just it just does. No, it's the human ear. It's the human. Even ear. the even, even the, the Swedish Swedes, are like, they, they God, know. this sounds weird. Yeah. And it's not just them. You've got other, whatever one it is with the geef me ein clap. Papa. <laughs> what is that? Danish? I think it's Danish <laughs> um, where. Yeah. Where Danish tends to sound like English, but like pretending to be another language. Yes. It is it is English spoken by someone making fun of like the Netherlands. Yes, it sounds like someone making fun of Swedish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, give me ein clap, Papa. Yeah, you're like, yeah, oh, oh, I can, I can come hear, on, I can hear the shoes. You're not even trying. Yeah. No, that's a real. That I was really speaking Danish just now. <laughs> that's a, that's a language. That meant spank me, Daddy, <laughs> which you could tell because it sounded just like it. But uh, I thought, yeah, so I thought it was the name. Like, the moment you hear that Borg and that Mork, your mind starts spinning off. Like, what can I do with that? Can I make Mork, Borg, and Mindy? Yes. Yeah. Can I make Mork, Borger? The uh, Welcome to Mork, Borger, home of the Mork, Borger. Can I take your order? Can I make that game? Sure. And now, having read it, I've realized that it's about half that, and the other half is the remarkably good aesthetics of the book. Yes. I mean, I do think without the artistry that went into the making of it it would nowhere near be the sort of like industry darling that a lot of people be like oh and when i talk about recent games i have to mention morkborg i'm like yeah well the only reason you have to do that is because it's very pretty yes yeah it's a gorgeous tome uh although it's also very small it's an easy book to read yeah so so, i I mean 
ultimately, I feel like this is a book that I'm I'm going to have a hard time going through our regular recommendations at the end because I don't want to play this, but I would recommend that other people might. Yeah, I mean, it's there's very few times on this show where we get a book that ends up being a no because of genre concerns yes. rather than this game is trash. Yeah, and that's another cards on the table thing to say is I just do not vibe with this fucking Dark Souls, bleak punk, shit in the river and the peasants are dying aesthetic. I have never liked it and it doesn't matter how well you pretty it up, I won't. Um, yeah, but I mean... that said, I recognize a lot of people do. Even as someone who's like, oh, I love horror and I love that sort of like bleak idea for things i'm like but i this is a particular type of that where it's like oh the world is ending and everything is ash and all food tastes of dirt and you are a shitty little person that Mm. will stab a grandma for a handful of silver and you're like okay but that's not a game i want to play roll a d8 to see if you have contracted the pox the d8 is irrelevant you have contracted the pox yeah it's it's just that it's a world where I'm like, oh, okay, I don't want to play a game in that. Yeah. That's not interesting to me. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's the difference between like Dark Souls and Bloodborne for me, where I'm okay. like, Dark Souls is kind of shitty and everything sucks and you're a shitty little undead guy, but Bloodborne's like, ah, here's a weird like Victorian werewolf and it turns into a nasty, gross body horror monster. And I'm like, cool, great. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with playing in those bleak universes if you are not intentionally depowered to kind of drive home the point of how bleak and dangerous and shitty everything is. So, like, for example, I feel like Slay the Spire is a good example of a bleak, punkish sort of aesthetic where you've got this sort of the world has collapsed. You're climbing up the tower to kill the old god, but no one ever succeeds. You're talking to this bizarre ancient old god whale who tells you to go up there. You're playing as some weird plaguey thing. Um, but it's still, it's a balanced game and it feels fair when you're playing it. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's kind of the level of the aesthetic. This, on the other hand, is very much designed to drive home that no, you're going to die. Make another character. Yeah. I mean, even the, the game has the option of character classes because you can either just be, I rolled everything up sort of generically at random and, you know, off I go. Yeah. Or you can be one of the classes, which gives you a few restrictions a few things that are a little bit better and sort of vaguely maps to old style D and D classes. Yeah. But all of them are like, Oh yeah, you start out and you suck and are terrible and then you die. And that's the point of the world. Yes. Yeah. It's like the difference for me is between slay the spire, which I appreciate and darkest dungeons, which I know you really like, but it's too much that that's the line where it becomes too bleak for me ah. where you're running through the dungeon and it's like, ah, your rogue has become afflicted with paranoia. He will stab you now. And you're like, oh, OK, <laughs> it's out of, so it's out of my hands. I don't really have anything to do with it. OK, I just yeah. I, oh, but I love glittering gold trinkets and baubles. <laughs> like I said, I'm not here to yuck yums. I know that this is a lot of people's very specific joy. And, and I, I like I said, it's a beautiful book that's fun to read. Um, do I, I don't want to play it, but I recognize it's going to be a, a contentious one. Yeah. Uh, as far as rules go, like I said, extremely stripped down. Yeah. Uh, it is all, you know, D20 based, but mm-hmm. your stats you got are four of them. 3D6. Uh-huh. But there's only four stats. Um, yeah. I do not remember what they are off the top of my head. There's only four. You'd think I could. You'd think you'd remember. It's, yeah. uh, what? Strength, presence, uh, Bruffles. Uh, agility and toughness. There you go. There we go. Yeah. I remembered strength because like out of the six classes or so that are at the back of the book, like six of them give you a minus to strength because they're some kind of caster. Yeah. I mean, I remembered presence because presence is used for everything. Yes. It's amazing how little agility matters in this. Yeah, it really does. Presence is a lot of shit, like determining whether you have something or not or whether something works. And obviously, toughness gives you hit points and strength for your offense. And I guess agility is... Ranged offense? Your defense? Oh, it is defense, yeah. But it just nothing else. So you very very rarely see the term agility even come up. Yeah. But you're rolling rolling 3d6. There is another method to generate your stats in which you do not roll 3d6. But for the most part, you're expected to just roll 3d6. Uh, Those numbers, however, don't matter. One of the neat things about this is that you can find... The, the 
the fourth edition people and the OSR people cl- clasping their giant muscular hands in agreement over death to ability scores. Yeah, it's just uh, you roll and whatever you rolled, whatever the range it is in, you are going to have a number between minus three and plus three. Yeah, and that's your stat now. Don't actually write down that original number. It will, And I appreciate that because in most other games, no matter how much they're like, yeah, we're going to reduce it to just those, num- those, those uh, values, those adders, and you're done. Uh, they're always like, also, you do still need your entire constitution score to calculate your hit points, and it will be the breakpoint determination of whether or not you can qualify for certain feats. So definitely write down several sets of numbers. Yeah, write down all these numbers. They don't matter except in hyper-specific circumstances, but you still need to know them. Yeah, so I appreciate that you literally could throw away those numbers after you roll them. You've got a plus three to, to strength because you rolled really well. You're done. Yeah. Now, uh, each of the optional classes will give you like roll 3d6 minus two or plus two or whatever most depending. of them are, yeah most of them are 3d6 plus two for one stat and 3d6 minus two for another stat the other stat is almost always strength because it's a lot of like i make potions i'm or, i'm a priest yeah so they they always like ah low on protein for you have lived in the woods eating mushrooms yeah but if you are non-character classed you can do a uh 46 drop low mm-hmm. for i think two of your four stats yes so there you go if you would like to do so if you would like yeah You'll... you may cry if you wish <laughs> you also at this stage calculate your hit points now uh which you're looking at the book so you can tell me how <laughs> i don't have that open i don't know things what are you talking about it's like a die roll plus the value of your uh toughness modifier uh, and w- with a minimum of one to allow for the fact that your character cannot have less than one HP at the start of the game. Yeah. But can have one and should reasonably be expected to. So yeah, toughness plus a D8, mm-hmm. which means, you know, at best you've got 11. 11. 11's the best you can have and one's the worst you can have. Yeah. Uh, It has a... <sighs> Basically everything in this is also boiled down to random rolls if you yes. want it, which I appreciate, obviously, as a lover of random rolls. Yeah. It has, you know, six character classes. So you can roll a D6 for them. Yes. And for all of the weapons, they're like, how many weapons are there? Ten. And you will roll a D10 if you're not classed to get a thing. Uh-huh. And if you have a class, they'll be like, oh, you only get to roll a D8 because you don't get any of the cool weapons. Yeah, but you roll a, yeah, you roll a D8. There's also an armor table that's a D4. Yep. But th- those will get modified to things like roll a D3 on the armor table or a or D- D2. D2 because you're a wizard, so you wouldn't want the medium or heavy armor anyway. Um, they also All the classes also get their own unique table they roll on for something. Yeah. Uh, most of those are like you'll have a, oh, what's your background? And yeah. there's like, six backgrounds or something yeah, and you, you roll on usually that. It's like, it's like you roll on a background, which is things like you were found in a midden pile from a madman's waste, wasteland yard uh, or something like that. You know, it's just six of those. And then also another table you roll on for like, you are a potion crafter and you begin with the tools to make and the knowledge of two of these potions. Roll a D8. Yeah. All of Green the... frog stew. It's bad and will kill you. Yeah, all the classes have some ability and it'll be like, all right, if you're the fighter equivalent, which is just a guy with fucked up teeth, mm-hmm. then you roll on the table and be like, all right, well, what do you have? And it could be like, yeah, I got fucked up teeth that let me do a ridiculous bite and it gives me a special thing. Or maybe I've got a cool, weird weapon or some shit. So, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, uh, so class or unclassed are fairly balanced in that they are all bleak and weak and will die. Yes. The... Uh, general idea between that as well is you will have a roll uh randomly for your armor and your weapon but also starting equipment uh-huh. is three tables yep uh so you have a d6 roll for how much do you have as far as like a backpack or something to carry stuff yes and because this is a bleak game a lot of rolls are you get nothing so yeah. like the d4 armor table the one is you don't have armor the D6, like, what kind of backpack do you have? One and two is, you don't. Yeah. Uh, and then two rolls on a D12 table that are two different tables. But it'll be like, all right, one D12, and you figure out, okay, what do you have? And it'll be like, I've got a sharp needle or a magnesium strip or some nonsense. And then another D12, and it'll be like, I've got D4 monkeys that ignore but love me. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I like that they do have a little Warhammer, uh, the RPG reference in there, because you can, on that same table, get a small but vicious dog. (laughs) 
Uh, and then, that's an old holdover from Warhammer RPG where they always yeah. give that to the rat catcher class. You also figure out if you've got a scroll. You can roll randomly for what your scroll is. Yeah, scrolls are this game's spell functionality. You can't really have a character who learns and memorizes spells in any way. Instead, they are always cast from one of two types of scrolls, uh, regular or unclean. Yeah, uh, yeah I think it's uh, divine or unclean or something like that. Yeah, you get a sacred or right an is. unclean. Yeah, where I I believe the difference is that sacred skulls can be cast without without nasty gory incident and unclean cannot. <laughs> uh, I mean, not really that I know of. I think it's basically just the unclean scrolls are a little grimier, <laughs> <laughs> literally just unclean. Yeah, uh, you get to this is presence comes into a lot of this. Uh-huh. Uh, you can do a number of like uses of scrolls because you could have multiple scrolls you probably only start with one but you yeah. might get more yeah but you can only use presence plus a d4 per day yeah and that's presence as we mentioned earlier that's presence modifier not your, so you know at best seven a day yeah and this doesn't have the at worst one so if you have a minus three and they give you a scroll you would better hope you roll a four or else you just can't do anything with it. Oh, you're just going to give that scroll to someone else in the party and wait and walk into the ocean, I assume. Uh, uh, so, yeah, you use presence to try and cast it. Uh, and then all of them, when you get a scroll, there's usually a D10 for each of them to be like, all right, which type of scroll do you have? Uh, so, like, in the unclean scrolls, you could get, like, Oh, I shoot a little, like, firebolt at a guy, or right, I can uh, move things with telekinesis. Over the next round, I may create two, two lightning bolts that streak towards their target and inflict a D2 of damage. <laughs> I mean, they're way better than that. Yeah, yeah, they are. I, I forget what that one. I think it's D2 lightning bolts that do a D6 is the actual spell. Yeah, because there's the fire, which is D2 creatures take D8 damage. Yeah. And then the lightning bolt is, I think, the sacred one, which is just D2 bolts but it can go to the same creature. Yes. Uh, there's some healing in there, which is good, because otherwise there is, uh, there's, you can healing. take a rest. Yeah. But there are so many ways of like, oh, are you remotely sick? You don't get hit points back for sleeping. Fuck yes. you. Be ye infected. Your hit points recover not. And then there are a lot of ways where it's like, oh, do you have some sort of thing? You get half as many hit points. And you get like... A D4, so getting half as many is very bad. Yeah, the two recoveries are D4 for taking any kind of thing that your your uh, GM would, would refer to as a breather or a rest, and a D6 for a full night's sleep. Yeah. Uh, you then get to roll on a bunch of tables for like, oh, what are my weird personality quirks as well? Uh-huh. So you can be like, here's a bunch of optional tables. You can be like, ah, I've got... I'm, I don't know, bitter and egocentric. And also I have uh, one hand that lacks a thumb and index finger and I grip like a lobster. <laughs> also, my best friend is a skull. I carry it with me everywhere and tell it everything. And I don't trust anyone but it. How do you grip like a lobster with your remaining fingers from middle back? I don't know, man. You gotta do like half the Vulcan salute and try and chopstick your way into things. Like, that, 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 that seems really unlike. I, I, th- I feel like you'd move into a power grip. You just do this. You know, like a, like a just chim- jerk it. Just use with like, with, with like a, well, power grip is what they use for like what apes use to fish like termites out of holes with sticks. Huh. Uh, so yeah, you get a bunch of those. Yeah. And a lot of <laughs> the things in here do have like, do you want to make this more bleak options to it? Yeah. Because, like, all of the tables for uh, what is your guy like are optional. You don't have to roll on that. Yeah. But all of them are like, oh, this is how you suck in some way. Yeah. And it's especially bad for the... <laughs> uh, there's crit successes and failures in this, and the optional crit failure on trying to cast a spell from a scroll Mm -hmm. is just top to bottom horseshit. (laughs) I mean, ultimately it's supposed to be one of those like life is cheap type of games. Oh yeah. Like notably the the leveling in this game is, is uh, wildly bleak as well. Insofar as what you mostly do when you gain a level uh, it, it, or not really a level so much as you gain power or you just, you're told to to, uh, go through a step you roll. I think it's 60, 10, you roll 60-10, and if that number is higher than your current HP, you add a D6 HP. 
Yes. Uh, for all of your stats, you also roll, and I forget the specific roll. So for all of those, you roll a D6. Yeah. If you roll higher than your bonus is equal to or higher than your bonus, you get a plus one. Yeah, but if you roll lower... If you roll lower, you get minus one, and they're like, oh, and also if you roll a one, it doesn't matter, you get lower. So even if you have a minus two, you're like, oh, well, I'm guaranteed to get better. No, if you roll the one on that D6, you go to minus three. Yeah, now there is a safety net built into that, which is if you have your stat at your, your minus... Well, you can never get lower than minus three. three. Yeah, that's as low as you're allowed to get to. You can get as high as plus six. Yeah. Uh, But it would be crazy impossible to get to plus, because doesn't it, if you're, if you're, I guess, yeah, you're right, because you could get a six and roll a six and get to plus six. But it generally means that if you're like, hell yeah, my character's a fight man, because I I rolled a really high stat early on. So, uh, start. oh, I gained a level? That's awesome. Oh, I got weaker. I'm not even a good fight man anymore. Yay. Yeah, there's a lot of things in this as well when you go up where they're like, Oh, if you want to completely rearrange your character's deal, you can. Like, the rogue equivalent in this is you're a grimy little shit man. Like, literally, you are a grimy little shit man. Yeah, yeah, you're literally like a, like a feral child who grew up in the streets in a, in a midden pile of shit. You, you have All your, your abilities you can roll on are like, you're good at hurling poop and so on. Oh, yeah, you have an ability that's straight up like, you have a blade covered in shit, and when you stab a guy, it might infect them. So, but... Like, that class specifically is like, oh, when you go up in a level, you can just lose one of the abilities you had and gain a different one. Yeah. Because it's just like, yeah, we don't care. Yeah. Nothing about this matters. Yeah. No, I, I really, I, I'm not going to be especially good at talking about the world in this game because it, I'll be very honest here, it flowed off me like water off a duck. Um, I, I was like, oh, neat. It's a bunch of bleak castles where everyone's a madman and ghosts wander the halls and shout the names of their enemies into the darkness and... Everyone slowly grows more insane by the day, and a queen requires the head of her foe. Oh, yeah, it's just, oh, the setting is a black metal album. Yes. And the but problem- it's all specific. Well, the problem with it is, man, it gets, it feels a little samey when you're like, and in this place, the Shadow King is has his realm, and he rules, and no one sees him, but you can deal with the servant of a courtier of the Shadow King, and- Everyone in his halls are mad. And you're like, okay, what's next? This is where the king of Timoth is, and he's insane, and he wants all of his people to go with him on an insane suicide quest. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, what's over here? Here is where the mad queen lives. And you're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, behold ye the queen of Gorgoneth. She becomes more fat with each passing day as she eats nothing but the, the rottingest of mice. And you're like, I, I, okay. All right. Cool. Need, do, do you need some like goblin slain or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> like again, this is all really neat. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, I'm like, it feels a bit samey to me. But then again, if I was like, yeah, if I look at most fantasy settings, I'm like, yeah, this is where the elves are. This is where the dwarves are. I get it. <laughs> But I just want to commend the people who wrote this, or even the people who translated this, for their dedication to making the writing feel so in-universe, and yet doesn't d- descend into the-thou-style shit. Yes. It's beautifully written. Oh, yeah. like Because the, the, uh, the kind of bad guy gods of this setting are the basilisks. Yeah. Which are these sort of two-headed dragons of various effects that live around the world, and you don't you don't want to meet one. No, there's there's he and she, and she begat he... And he, one of his two heads, only speaks, like, true prophecies yeah. and has prophesied the end of the world. And the end of the world prophecies are a mechanic of the game. Yeah. Every day, like, in-world day that you play, you roll a die depending on how close you are, like, how quickly do you want the end to come? So if you're like, Oh, I want this to be like a very long campaign. I plan for this to go on. We'll use a D100. If you plan on being like, oh, I want this shit to end now, you roll a D2. Yeah. But anytime you roll a one on any of the dice that you are using for this at the beginning of a day, one of the prophecies comes through, which are called miseries. Yes. So there are a D66. So you roll a six and a six and go to a psalm and a verse within that, mm-hmm. and that happens. And it c- can never happen the same one twice, so if you re-roll the same, you'll just do a different one. Yep. And all of them are not specific things, 
So instead of it being like, ah, you rolled a three and a six, all characters take 1d4 points of no, damage. they're all and, written as psalms. Oh yeah, it's just, as at the beginning, so at the end, all manner of fly and wasp shall fill the air. And you're like, all right, cool, great, that's one of them. <laughs> Look to the west, forth comes fire and a horde and the kingdoms burn. Great, what does that mean? It means you, the GM, get to do a thing. Yeah, it's neat. I don't dislike that at all. I, I don't even dislike that there's not actually a mechanic behind any of them. They're all just kind of evocative, because that's one thing this game does better than most of the games I've read recently, is evoke things. Oh, yeah. Every, every sentence you read, it gives you a bunch of cool ideas for a kind of setting that that some people are going to absolutely love. Oh, yeah, and... Once you have gone through gone through all of them, the last one is 7-7. Seven, seven. You always do that one last, and it's the world ends, and the book is like, uh, the seventh seal is broken for the seventh and final time. The game and your lives end here. Burn the book. And I'm like, ha-ha, that's very good. That will not happen. Thank you, no. I will not be burning my book. The book's the best part. Yeah. I mean, don't worry. It's not going to happen to you because you're not going to play that. No. <laughs> You're going to play Sentinels again or whatever. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's very, like you said, evocative of things. Yeah. Everything in this, all of the rules, all of the abilities, everything in here is like, hey, we had a world we wanted to build, and we did, and everything reinforces that. The writing, the rules, the setting... Everything is in service to the idea. Yeah, like I'm just gonna I'm gonna read a passage at random real quick just to give you a sense of what the flow of the language. Sure. All right, here we go. Galgenbeck is the land of Tveland in is or in the land of Tveland is the greatest city that ever was. No king or queen rules in Galgenbeck, but an archpriestess, Yosilfa Migal, deep beneath the cathedral of the two-headed basilisks, in a cool black chamber crossed by shards of light, lies her throne. Yosilfa, old but still young. Uh, commoners gossip that she colludes with the god Necrobel, who gave her eternal life. Necrobel, the shadow that covers all. Uh, Necrobel is melancholy, crop failure, conflict, and war. It is said he whispered the apocalyptic prophecies in Virhu's ear. Virhu being the one the, that speaks true from yeah, the, the basilisk. The he basilisk or whatever, yeah. Yeah. And it, but, you know, Necrobel's not even, I don't think, shows up again. Uh, but, you know, Galgenbeck does. It's one of the cities that you can spend time in, and so yeah. does Yosilfa. Um but it's neat because you're like, oh, that, that thing about how she hangs out in a cool stone chamber crossed with shards of light, that's evocative. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Old but still young, what does that mean? Does she live forever? What, what What's going on? Yeah. I love these kinds of little details. And they're, it's neat. They're well written in that exact right range of interesting and and uh, makes you, makes you want to do something with it, but no structured rules that take away the magic. Oh, yeah. And like the random tables, again, wonderful because there's a thing where you're like, oh, do you want to make like a sacrifice to the basilisk and try and get like Verhu to change his prophecy or whatever. Yeah. You'd be like, Oh, here's a bunch of things you can do. And it's a random roll table for things. And they're all stuff like a man beaten to death by those who loved him in life. And you're like, what the fuck is this? This is great. Yeah. You're like the baby teeth of seven children. You're like, all right, cool. Good. Love it. I, one of my favorite things in here is the spell list. I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's the scrolls. There's just the uh, the unclean and the and the sacred scrolls, and their names are amazing. Uh, one of my favorite things that they do in here is just add unnecessary dashes to things to make them sound more like a mad scientist came up with them. Yeah. So like the telekinesis scroll is like telekinesis. That's just a neat way to do things. It, it especially if it's the only one that does that. It feels like a weird, crazy detail about a world that starts to make a sort of fractured sense. Yes. Which I appreciate. Uh-huh. So, you know, ultimately, this is cool to read. It's fun. It's like reading if the fucking uh, Elden Ring manual was a Trader Joe's Fearless Flyer. <laughs> uh, I hate how very correct that is. <laughs> My apologies to the folks who don't live around a Trader Joe's. And you don't know what I'm talking about. My apologies to everyone who played Elden Ring. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it, it, that's got to do with the aesthetic, where they will cram a rule into the margins of this book, and it won't be a bad, it's not hard to read. We've read other books that are stylistically designed. Yes. On more than one occasion. You know, Human Occupied Landfill is something that kept coming up in my mind when I was reading my way through this, because it's very stylistically designed, but its style is ugly and I can't read it. Yes. Where this, its style is, I wouldn't necessarily say pretty, 
but fractured and beautiful in a crazy way. Yes. It has that sort of like dark, bleak aesthetic that marries both like the sort of modern gothic with the old gothic. Mm -hmm. So you'll have like pictures that look like those old wood engravings. And then right next to it, you'll have a thing that just looks like someone drew a picture for some creepy pasta on fucking 4chan. Yeah. It's neat. It looks like someone with extremely good handwriting scribbled the notes into the, for an RPG into the margins of the Pearl Jam Vitalogy album's little book it came with. <laughs> and uh, for whatever reason, that ends up working wonderfully. Yeah. Uh, there are also a, uh, a a wonderful list of monsters where yep. the monsters are all given a lot of interesting personality and neat tricks to them and so on uh, that actually make them seem like they'd be fun to deal with. Yeah. Like the goblin, for example, if it attacks you, whether or not it even hits you, it infects you and you will turn into a goblin unless you kill the goblin that attacked you. Yeah. Being a goblin is a curse and attacking someone spreads the curse. Yeah. So you're like, oh, the only way to stop the curse from manifesting is to kill the goblin that attacked you. Yeah. Wild. Plus, I love their their uh, art take on the goblin because you know how the Pathfinder goblin is essentially like a shark goblin. It's got yeah. a big openable, like Pac-Man of a mouth with the shark teeth inside. This is a goblin. This is a shark goblin yeah. too. <laughs> a goblin shark goblin. Uh -huh. What a great idea. As soon as I saw it, I was like, hey, I know what that is. Yeah. That's a fucking goblin shark. Yeah. I just kind of wish it had actually given it the whole thing where it could be like, it, it has a bite attack because it can extend its teeth farther than you think. Because uh, they can like dislocate their jaw and shoot it forward. Goblin sharks are fucked up, dude. Oh, yeah. And like, one of the most powerful things in here is a troll, but its whole deal is, oh, if it gets fucked up, it will leave. Mm -hmm. But any damage it took will be added to its max hit points when it heals, and it will gain strength and come back stronger. So if you don't hunt it down, if... Because this game does have morale. Yeah. Uh, if a enemy either if singularly gets below a quarter hit points, or if the leader of a group dies or whatever, you'll check morale for them, and they might surrender or run away. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, when you're fighting, you're like, oh, yeah, that's great. That means there's less opportunity for us to die if fucking dudes run away. I will happily let them surrender. But with the troll, if you... if this honestly feels like only the GM should have read this book because there's a lot of stuff in here, like with the troll thing of, oh, if it runs away, though, it'll come back and want to murder you, but it will be stronger. So you shouldn't let it run away. Yeah, you should trap it or something or and follow the, it. The same thing with the the arcane critical failures is, oh, all of them are, here's what happens that the players know, and then a different colored text of, Here's also what's actually happening right. for the GM to know. It's a shame that the book should only be read by the DM because the reading the book is the best part of the experience here. Yes. And, God, I do want to say the <laughs> that whole bit, the, the fact that most of this should be for a GM is, it's just sad. Because like you said, reading this is amazing and that, it's... The kind of thing where if you were trying to sell someone to play this, you would want to be like, I'm going to hand you this book. Yeah. And you're going to look through it, and you are going to know pretty quickly, is this your shit or not? Yeah. You'll get through about, like, it's not a long book, but you'll get through the first, like, 20 pages and either go, I fucking love this, or you'll go, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> So I feel bad because I'm definitely that second one, but I understand. I, I can definitely see the resonance of why this would appeal to a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one of the things we didn't mention yet, which I really like in the combat system, monsters don't roll. No. No. Uh, you roll your own defense each turn to see how much damage you do or don't take from the monster. Yeah. The monster is going to attack and hit you. You have to see if you get out of the way. Yes. That's all there is to that. So you, each turn, when you're engaged with a monster, you roll your attack to hit the monster and you roll your defense against that monster. Yeah. The, the GM is like, oh, man, I don't roll dice. That's for you idiots. Yeah, no, they, they don't just not roll. They don't do a set amount of damage. Like a goblin, for example, it, the way it lists a goblin's stats, it doesn't include its pluses to hit and defense because it doesn't have those. Yeah. Instead, you have a DR to hit the, 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 the difficulty rating in mm -hmm. this game, which is the usual roll your stat plus a D20 and, and compare it against a DR. Uh, if a monster doesn't have anything special going on, it'll have the game's baseline medium to hard DR to do anything to it, which is a 12. Yeah, the normal DR in this is a 12, which I do think, given that the standard is a zero, I'm like, 
oh, that sucks. It's punishing. Like I said, it's a fucking bleak game. Yeah. That's the thing that kills me about all the uh, the things I see where they're like, oh, I'm going to take this and make it into Duckborg, and it's going to be my my weird DuckTales game. And I'm like, are you going to keep it where the, the average chance to hit anything is like 38%? Because no one's going to want to play that 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 uh, DuckTales game. And if you change it, then are you even really still playing Morkborg? Because I feel like a lot of the point of this is the bleakness. Yes. And um, it's it's one of the things where I was like, I can almost forgive the fact that this game is like, oh yeah, when you start out, you're almost certainly not going to be able to accomplish anything. Because I'm like, that's the point. The point of the setting is you are maybe trying to accomplish something before the world ends around you. Mm-hmm. And maybe you do and maybe you don't. And that's fine. Yeah. But it's definitely a thing where given all of the many things that are like, ha, I made a thing based on Mork Bork. I'm like, yeah, but are you still using the same system? Because there's a reason it has this system. It's, it's the same as my monster care squad and PBTA argument of, no, there's a reason that uh, Powered by the Apocalypse exists for Apocalypse World because it wants to have this narrative and using yeah. it for a thing that doesn't want that narrative doesn't work as well. Oh, I was just seeing a conversation with some people who were like, I'm doing a World War One in- like trench battle-inspired Mork Borg game. Yeah. And someone else was like, I- you should totally do World War Two because it's always fun to kill Nazis. And I was like, yeah, but the arc of Mork Borg trends towards losing. Yeah, and the whole like, what is this? I am in a trench I am slowly dying of trench foot. Yeah, I'm going to die of rot if I if the if the uh, Germans don't get me. I am constantly watching those around me perish as I sit in my own filth. You're like, yeah, that's Morkborg. Now, let's not, I mean, to be to be fair, all that shit happened in World War II as well. It's Man. not like there weren't people dying in dirt in World War II. No. It was also extremely awful. I just when they were like, but it's fun to kill Nazis. I was like, yeah, is it as fun to be be ground down by implacable Nazis cuz that's what we're going through now. Yeah. And it sucks. <laughs> uh, they keep getting rich. They keep getting all of this money and then using it. God damn it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I was talking about the goblin stat block because I thought it was kind of interesting how they do it. Rather than having a chance to hit, uh, they have a DR. Goblins do have a modified one because they're extremely wiry and flexible. So they have a DR 14 to hit, which means good luck hitting one. Yeah. Even the most agile starting character still has a less than 50% chance of getting one. Yep. Um, They subtract a D2 from all damage done to them because of their ropey skins. And they do a D4 damage, which is what they're going to do to you each turn before you roll your defense against that. Oh, yeah. That is, by the way, how armor works in this game. Instead of making it... So you get a bonus to your defense. It is just damage reduction based yeah. on how heavy the armor is. Yes. So it'll be like, oh, I have light armor. I reduce damage by a D2. Yeah. But uh, also, if you have medium or heavy armor, then, yeah, you get a bigger damage reduction, but you pay for it with a lot of more encumbrance and the inability to use the scrolls. Yes. And <sighs> probably, I mean... We should probably talk about the classes. Yeah. But I'm mean, sorry, what were you going to say? I don't mean No, I was going to say, I'll, I might... This is going to be my least favorite thing in this, so I don't know if I want to save it till the end when we do our favorites and least favorites. We do that all the time. But the game has a crit success and a crit failure. Yeah. uh, And the crit success is just like, hey, great. You do, you know, good damage. Good for you. Yeah. The crit failures on everything for spells, if you're using the optional one, will just absolutely fuck your shit up. Mm -hmm. It has a 1 in 20 chance of you instantly die because... Ver who shows up and eats you. Yes. But as well for offense or defense, if you roll a one, it's just straight up, ah, your weapon breaks or your armor breaks. You don't have that anymore. Yeah. And that sucks ass to be like, all right, I have one weapon. I have a fucking like pole arm. Here we go. First combat. I rolled a one and now I don't. Yeah, well, good for me. Any ro- any one you roll in this game, you might as well just hand over your character sheet. So that that's pretty much the way it seems to be. Like, it's be- like oh, what if you roll a one on that add to your hit point total chart? Oh, the first thing that hits you kills you. Here's my character sheet. We can just start another one. That's a problem I have run into in the past with ultra bleak games. Now I have not played an ultra like a, a super bleak like a punky style RPG in a long time. But I did play a lot of second edition D&D when I was a kid with the kind of verisimilitude obsessed DMs who would change all the rules to make them more realistic, but really meant more like fucked up. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, if you make the, your your natural incentive, if you're like, my character doesn't have any stats higher than 11 and they have two HP is to be like, I'm going to walk right at that orc and let it kill me. I, I'm going to the faster I die, the faster I can try again. I want another spin at the gambling wheel. Yeah. 
Um, which, and then people are like, what are you doing? That's not how you should play the game. You're going against the spirit of it. And I'm like, I, I don't care. I would rather have some sort of contribution to the narrative than not. Yeah. Cause otherwise you can say, Oh, well, what about all your RP? And you're like, yeah, that'll be great. When everyone else gets to do a thing. And I go, that's nice fellas. You have fun. Yeah. I will, uh, I'll definitely roleplay the struggle of never being able to accomplish anything. Sure, that was neat. Did you guys enjoy that? What a wonderful performance I did. True Willie Loman. The crowd sheds tears. <laughs> Roses will arrive on stage. I'm rolling again. <laughs> so normally I feel like those games need kind of a, uh, a, ba- a balancing mechanic or some sort of safety metric to stop you from being like, what's your goal for this character? To kill them as fast as possible so I can try again. Baby needs to gamble. <laughs> I can smell the cards. <laughs> Come on, I can tell I'm going to get the stats to make a paladin this time. Come on! Yeah. Uh, uh, so let's go over the classes. There there are only six of them, and they're just kind of neat. And it's I, I didn't expect to see them. I was happy when I came across them. Yeah. Uh, the Fanged Deserter is the toothy fighter we mentioned earlier. Yep, that's your fighter archetype. Mm-hmm. You, are, you deserted because you were a soldier that left, and again, you've got a weird fucked up mouth. <laughs> that's your whole deal. Yeah, um, you have fucked up mouth. You roll 3d6 plus 2 for strength, but 3d6 minus 1 for both agility and presence. Yeah. Uh, because you're supposed to be kind of dumb. Um, the you have a Your agility tests are messed up as well. So not only do you have a minus 1 to your agility out the gate, but also you test agility on a dr14 instead of a dr12 uh, because you're trained in better armors or something, it, which sucks because you're already going to be wearing the heavier armors if you can uh, to make up for that. Uh, you also are illiterate. You cannot use the scrolls under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. See, this is the problem I ran into with the classes. I thought they were neat. They're really fun to read about. They're very well written, but most of them are like, get a plus two to one stat and a minus two to another stat, roll a D8. The D8 will give you a thing that, that has one kind of neat application, but mostly it's going to suck and fuck you up. Yeah. Okay. What about the next class? Same thing. Yeah. I mean, all of them are, like I said at the beginning, D&D classes, but with a bleak, shitty world. <laughs> veneer yeah like you just go oh what's this he's a fighter well that means you can't use magic and you're a big dumb lunk and you got creepy teeth and you're just a creepy shitty asshole yeah this one's a little nicer than most of the others because it doesn't have that many backfires built into the shit you roll for uh you get your d6 of where you're from you get things like oh uh, a derelict rotting ship rolling endlessly across a gray sea you know that's that kind of thing it's really neat and evocative writing um, and then you get a, I think it's a D, it's a D6 roll for the cool thing that you get to start with. So you can get things like the Brown Scimitar of Galgenbeck, which is a fucking poop-covered sword that you have. And if you hit a guy with it, it does D6 damage. Uh, it's DR10 on attack and defense, which is really fucking good. Yeah. Um, and on a one through six, whenever you, uh, you hit it, um, you, I'm sorry, anytime you hit with it, you roll a D6 and on a one, the opponent dies of sepsis pretty much immediately. <laughs> so that's kind of neat, right? Um, and then it just works like that for each one of these. Uh, you could get an old dog. Yeah. Is one of the ones you roll with that. But then the next one's the gutterborn scum, which is just a kid from, it's like a homeless thief kid. You're a little orphan born in shit. Yeah. You're the, you're the rogue. You're the backstabber. You get a bunch of roll. You get a minus a three D six minus two for strength. Uh, but you do not, I believe get a bonus to anything. Yeah. Instead, you get uh, you get DR reductions on a bunch of agility and presence-related roles that have to do with thieving. Yeah, and you get, I mean, you essentially get, like, a backstab rule. Because you're like, oh, you can stab a guy. Good. Yeah, they get a special ability as opposed to getting a special thing. Yeah. Which is kind of a neat trick. You go all D6, you have things like, I'm really good at spitting nasty shit. Or, uh, I can hide in poop. I'm very good at hiding in poop and debris. Yeah, I look, I'm so covered in shit that when I hide in shit, no one can find me. The wizard sort of equivalent, which is the esoteric hermit, is next. Yeah. And they're just scroll experts. They get a, d- a plus two to presence and a minus two for strength. Uh, they get an extra random scroll and have basically scroll-related abilities and terrifying eldritch origin stories. Yeah. The only one that's sort of interesting is the wretched royalty in that it's one of the few that doesn't quite map onto anything because you are just essentially deposed royalty. Yeah. So you're like, oh, I wander around and I have like a manservant and I have one cool thing that I still had from back when I was a ruler is my, like what I roll randomly for. Yeah. But I'm mostly just a shitty asshole and I have more money than anyone else. Yeah. This one's, yeah. You start with more money than everyone else, but you don't get any uh, modifiers to any of your abilities. Yeah. Uh, you're 
incredibly average, as most noble is. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, you probably have a person who follows you around because, like, half the things are a horse or a jester. Or yeah, you a got squire. something. Yeah, uh, heretical priest is next. They're the, uh, the sacred scroll scroll kind of experts. Uh, they also get a plus two to presence and a minus two to strength, which makes them pretty much identical to the hermetical uh, wizards or whatever those were. Yep. Uh, so, uh, the esoteric hermits. hermit. Hermetical te- esoterics. <laughs> Hermetically sealed. Hermetically sealed eco-terrorists. Uh-huh, that was it. It's fine. I, I got it. I you got, got I it. it. Yeah. And the occult herb master is the one who makes potions and stuff. Yep. That one's kind of funny because, like, if you get... Some of them are just bad, like the potions you can learn to make. Like, if you're going to make yourself some southern frog stew, boy, you have the ingredients for it and you can make it. And if anyone takes it, they vomit uncontrollably for a D4 hours. Yeah. I mean, that's... Give it to other people. Yeah, that's mostly there to be like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I trick a motherfucker who comes up and like, I want to steal all your shit. And you're like, oh, don't take my delicious stew. (laughs) Yeah, please don't eat my... You're the worst thing is that the GM is probably encouraged to be like, "Mm, he knows of Southern Frog stew. Oh, no. It's this setting. He'd be like, yeah, and he eats it and then he vomits all over you and you get vomit in your eyes. He barfs on you and Juice Newton starts playing because we we remember that movie. He vomits so much that he dies, and then you can rummage through his corpse for loose change. Welcome to Mork Borg, motherfucker. The only loose change you find in his corpse is additional vomit. (laughs) He was carrying around a pocket full of vomit and dreams. (laughs) We've transported the game over into Morsical Borg. (laughs) Uh, What else did you want to talk about from this? Nothing. it, It ends with a cool adventure. Yeah. And again, the adventure, very Mork Borgian in that it's just like, what is this? Uh, you got to go to some place and find a guy who is like the heir to the Shadow King or whatever. Yeah. And it's just several rooms and every room is some nasty little guy is in there doing some dirty nonsense. Yeah, some gross person is in there eating a blanket that's got mold on it or something. And when you come near them, they have a D4 out of six chance to run away or summon three burning skeletons or something. Yeah, you're just like, oh, what happens? Oh, there's, you find the guy and he's got a giant gross worm that hangs out and it doesn't do anything. It just watches. Yeah. And you're like, okay, <laughs> sure, man. But more of that evocative stuff. If you ever kill that rot worm or what a gut worm, I think it's called, the yeah. dread gut worm, it falls into the river and sinks dead, but still dreaming. <laughs> yeah, man. The whole thing is like, hey, dude, this adventure is for me describing nasty shit. Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> so, so you know, it's it's uh, it's good. It, it really definitely helps you set the tone. Yeah. That said, I think it's a good time to get into our favorites and least favorites. Sure thing. So why don't I ask you, John, what your favorite thing is about Morkborg? I, I mean, less my favorite, but more the best thing in this but More is- your favorite. More of your favorite listener, more of the listener's favorite. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's tell them what their favorite thing is. Your favorite thing is listening to me. Because you would listen. (laughs) Your favorite thing is supporting our Patreon at the the $2 level. That's right. Uh Uh-huh. That's your favorite thing. Do it today. Uh Uh-huh. Don't deny yourself. Treat yourself. Uh Uh-huh. You earned it. (laughs) No, the, the tone and tonal consistency yeah. The fact that, as we mentioned before, there is a theme and a tone and this concept to a world that is pervasive. And I love a game that is like, I know what the fuck I'm about. Yeah. And I will do that for the whole thing. Yeah. It's rare. Even to if find I'm not one. into it. It's rare to find one with this much of a clarity of vision. Usually yes. a game, even if it's got a really strong story, can't help itself from ins- but inserting some shit that feels antithetical to the point of what they're trying to accomplish. Indeed. Uh, this does not. This this stripped it down. This is right down the barrel. Every single thing relates to the core element of bleakness in the world ending. Yep. And I think they nailed it. I think, like, just as far as having a coherent, cohesive product, they got it. Yeah. They've done it. Yeah. So there you go. What is your favorite thing? I'm going to go with the world building, although I, I feel like one of us should have said, so maybe I'll change Because I was going to say, I like the little elements of the world. That you I like this little guy. He's, well, I was, he's covered in boils. Literally was going to say, I like these little guys. They're called like the Wickheads. And they're like little dudes who have lanterns for heads. And they're just little monsters you encounter out in the wilderness. And they, they come up a couple times through the book. They never actually do a whole thing where they're like, hey, Wickheads are a thing. They're, they're regular lantern guys that you find out in the wilderness, and sometimes they're nice, and a lot of the time they try and stab you. They just have them introduced to the world. That said, I feel like it's probably more important to point out how just fucking great the layout and and uh, look of this book is. Oh, for sure. So I'm, I'm going to say that. 
because this book is a work of art. Oh, the artistry in this is top notch. Yeah. So I, I definitely I I'm going to say that uh, I I would have normally gone with the world building because yeah, it does an amazing job of creating a fully cohesive feeling world. Uh, it's not a world I necessarily vibe with, but God, do I ever recognize what they've managed to accomplish? And I do want to give a special shout out to a book that has stylized things in it. Yeah. And yet, when it comes to rules text, don't be like, and now I'll use my death metal font that you can't read. They're like, no, here's fucking Times New Roman. These are what the rules are. Please read them and understand them. Anyway, back to my cool art shit. Yeah. I love the, just as an interesting call out, I love the description of the weapons where the all the weapons and their listed damage is done by a single dude being stabbed with 12 weapons at once yeah. and each one of them being labeled in his corpse with its de- with its damage rating written underneath it. Uh-huh. Fucking fantastic. It's great. Uh what's your least favorite thing? Uh it's the the crit and the system of just you are going to be because you are the only one rolling. Yeah. A crit fail in a game only exists for players. So your crit successes of like Yay, I I don't know. I get a little bit of a benefit or I get, you know, a little token and I can spend that to not die. Yeah. And there's a whole mechanic of like you can spend one of your like the destiny omens or something. Yeah, your omens yeah. to stop a crit failure from happening or you can spend it on a list of other things. However, a crit failure means you die, which means omens exist just to stop crit failures. Yes. That's all they are there for because if you're like Oh, I'm going to use it to re-roll this attack because I missed. You're like, yeah, but if you re-roll and get a 1, you fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So, so I I think you're probably more right there. Um the game's got a pretty brutal crit system on top of an already pretty brutal system and it feels largely unnecessary. It's yeah, like I'm like spike. I was already going to get murdered by a goblin anyway. I didn't need to have a 1 in 20 shot of it just happening instantly. It's like having a double black diamond ski slope and then just putting a punji spike trap on it for no reason. <laughs> It's already going to kill people who shouldn't be there. You don't need to gild that lily. Yeah. So that that was me. Of all of the things in there, I'm like, I love your stripped down rules. That is the one point where I feel like the bleakness, it doesn't really serve anything aside from going like, oh, this is going to make games end faster and have feels bad rather than feels bleak. Yeah. What is your least favorite I'm thing? Just, I, I'm going to have to say it is the bleakness. I mean, I, again, that's just my personal least favorite thing. Here. Yeah. I, I just don't don't dig on that kind of stuff. I that's like fine. Game, it's not your vibe. Yeah, I like games about hopeful stuff. And that, I'm not saying that that means that this game is bad. It's just my least favorite thing about it. I think this game's great. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that it, I, I wouldn't want them to change it to try and accommodate to me. No. Um, but, I don't want anyone to change anything to accommodate you. No, no, no one ever should. I, I want should, your I life should, to suck. I should go through life uncomfortable and a little too hot. <laughs> yeah. And you are a little too hot, I, I gotta say. I know, I gotta work on the, the beards. The beard's coming in a little thicker than I expected. I've got a real. I, I, oh, I'm coming a little thicker than I expected. <laughs> I gotta see your doctor about that. <laughs> if it's getting. St- yeah, you don't want that. Yeah. Um, I'm, growing out, I'm growing out a Santa beard for the, for the season. Uh-huh. Largely because now I have a full on gray beard, so I can. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, um, would you play this? Uh, you know, even though the the world and vibe isn't quite my deal i'd probably give this a shot given that it is a game where i'm like oh i'm almost certainly gonna die in the first you know session that we do i don't feel like oh i would need to invest a lot and i could make a gross little man i i could make a a tiny little turd man and have him run around and then die Mm -hmm. sure why not it's it's like every time I went to try and play any of those Soulsborne games where I will play it for five minutes and go, oh, yeah, I hate this. Yeah. And so I'll be like, yeah, I'll play this. And then at the end of it, I'll go, oh, that's right. I don't want to play this. <laughs> Fair. I know myself well enough that I would have a good time. I could use it. I could use some other game engine to build a, I don't know, a shit flaked wastrel who who carries about a, a, a disgusting pouch containing his mother's four remaining soot blackened teeth or whatever the fuck creepy bleak thing you want. Uh, and still have a good time, but I just don't f- feel that it, it didn't hit me. No, so that's so fine. I probably wouldn't play this, but I, I think you should, listener, the the, the listener who's every into this kind of single thing. listener, every single listener, even if you're more into hopeful games than even I am. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. It's a it's a one yes and one no on would you play this? Great. And there you have it. But are we going to make characters in it? Of course we are, and you know 
that because everything is a random roll table, you're going to get to hear us do it live. Yeah, we're doing this one live, so if you're over at the Patreon at patreon.com slash systemmastery, supporting us at at least the $2 level, which unlocks ad-free versions of all of our shows as well as the bonus content for this show, uh, you'll hear us make characters in this game on air, rolling dice, and discussing our horrible, shitty little process. That's right. Uh, will we play those characters? Normally no. I have to see my doctor to discuss my shitty process. <laughs> you know, after you talk to him about your too thick of cums. You're just... <laughs> my cums. <laughs> doctor, there's no moisture. They come out like ice cubes. <laughs> doctor, there's two U's in them. That's how thick they are. They're cums. <laughs> the second U has an umlaut developing. <laughs> I'm scared, doctor. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep. Patreon.com slash System Mastery, where your comes will have an umlaut <laughs> developing. System Mastery. We've got an umlaut de- developing. <laughs> we fucking actually do. It's in the Dungeon Meister logos. I know. Uh, how do we get tied to an umlaut? Ah, uh, choice. Anyway, that's the Patreon. Please go support us there. If you can't, we understand. You can always just write a review wherever you listen to your show, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Help us out. That's all we ask. Buy yeah, our books. That's it. We just ask that you buy our books. Buy our books. Buy our books. <laughs> Why'd you shoot him? He was just saying, buy our books. <laughs> buy our books. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again real soon with yet more content. Unless we take Christmas off, in which case we'll see you in a month with yet more content. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.